Hello and welcome to The Softer Side. I'm your Life Transitions coach, Shelley Carney. Let's design your life. Shelley Carney and Toby Eunice bring you The Softer Side, Life Transitions and Relationship Coaching. Join the live chat on YouTube every Wednesday and Friday at thesofterside.live. Today's topic is engaging on a deeper level through story. So we're going to talk a little bit about telling stories and helping other people to share their stories today. But first, let's do a little housekeeping. Please take a moment to like this video with a thumbs up, share it with your social media contacts and anyone you feel would benefit from this information. Be sure to subscribe and click on the bell to receive notifications whenever we go live or release a new video. In the live chat room, please say hello. Let us know where you're coming in from and ask any questions you have. We'll get to your questions at the end of the presentation. And please be prepared to give us a call at 202-815-1171 and talk about stories. Share your story in the chat room and here's a prompt for you. What story will you tell when you see your family next? Maybe for Thanksgiving. Support others in the chat room, and if you have any questions or suggestions for future topics that you would like to share with me, please email thesofterside.info at gmail.com. So what about stories is so awesome. Great stories appeal to our emotions. They help us to become more engaged with the speaker and the topic. We are going to remember a story uh, so much better than we do anything else. It's just wired into our DNA. And stories will, because they're so engaging with our emotions, they find a way to motivate and inspire us more easily. They bring people together and they ignite productive conversations. That means we can often get to the the core of an issue through a story because it opens us up um it helps us to drop our defenses and be ready to have that conversation so what do you think about stories what do you like about stories um so i became familiar with the concept of story in mm -hmm. college uh, <clears throat> and it was if i remember correctly a um anthropology class and we were introduced to Joseph Campbell's book mm -hmm. uh, The Hero of the Thousand, a Thousand Faces mm -hmm. uh, and the basic the fundamental premise of the book is that storytelling has existed as uh, long as humans had the ability to share stories mm -hmm. even if it was grunts and groans right um, before we had uh, codified languages and I became fascinated with the idea and started uh, living a life in the context of whatever my story was. And I, as I grew older and had children, I impressed that idea on them, that your life is a story. And that one day you'll be able to tell that story and you have to decide kind of every day the choices you make, uh, what kind of story it's going to be. So I, at, you know from our experience in filmmaking, both documentary making uh, and uh, narrative filmmaking, it's all about the story. Yes. And there's a format for it, and it's very much in line with the hero's journey uh, when it comes to the format and uh, 
you know, I've, I've often referred to in some of our other programmings as we talk about story arc, that if you want to see the, the classic, kind of the uh, contemporary classic example of storytelling in the Joseph Campbell, uh, uh, using Joseph Campbell's template, all you have to do is watch the first Star Wars because that's as perfect a story uh, in the Joseph Campbell model as you can get. Hmm. Uh, but we all have stories. You know, each of us leaves our own story in the context of the lives that surround us. And we interact with people with their own stories, like all, whether it's Luke Skywalker or uh, Odysseus, you're living your story in the context of all the stories that are around you. And each one of them has their own individual story. So there's this interaction that occurs. And uh, one of my favorite things to do is, as I like to say, break bread with my friends, my family and friends. And the reason is uh, what you hear around the table is storytelling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Jason's stories are always funny. And uh, Sean's stories are always a little bit funny slash tragic. <laughs> and Daryl's stories are always very serious, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the fun part is listening to their stories and telling your own, you know, in the context of that, that particular family unit or the context of... Uh, the forest fan treasure hunt or the context of the softer side, whatever it is. So I'm a big fan of storytelling. I, I like the idea. Uh, I like the concept. And I like living my life with the sense that it's a story. And mm-hmm. one day, maybe somebody will tell it. Somebody else will tell it, you know, uh, in, in how, as how they see it. So mm-hmm. even if it's your obituary. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, well, let's talk some more about that. So we like stories because they help us to remember things. People retain 65 to 70% of information shared through story versus only 5 to 10% conveyed through statistics. Uh, so if you are at, let's say, a conference and you're listening to 10 different talks uh, throughout the day, which one are you going to remember the best is the one whose story affected you the most. You're going to remember that story and why that story was told, what it illustrates, and the lesson that goes along with that story is going to be the most effective one of the day. Uh, we connect deeply with story, especially if it engages our emotions, and that action cements it into our mind uh, more thoroughly. It becomes a part of us. You want to talk about that? Mm-mm. No. Okay. I mean, I've, other than I've <laughs> used it as a sales tool and technique mm-hmm. in seminars and presentations, and yeah, that's all about it is when you're trying to keep an audience. Uh, attentive for yes. three three hours, you know, from mm-hmm. nine to twelve, um, with a fifteen to twenty minute break in the middle of all that. It's got to be about story, and then you. And <clears throat> the interesting thing, of course, is it might be a technical subject, mm-hmm. it might be a uh, exploratory subject. You know, how do you take mm-hmm. how do you take relational database in comparison to uh, network and hierarchical databases? And turn that into an interesting story. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know? a t- that's a challenge. Yeah, it is a challenge, but yeah. it's a lot of fun if you can do it well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, great stories expose our flaws and our struggles. So, the more you can share about yourself and what's going on in your interior life 
with others, the closer they're going to feel to you, the more connected they'll feel to you um, because you have shared your flaws and your struggles with them. Stories create those shared experiences. Uh, if you're in an audience of people listening to a story together, you might take that story after you've heard it and go to lunch or dinner with the with the people you've been with in that room and sit there and talk about that story, what it meant to you, and then you'll share your own story based upon what you heard and how it affected you or it, what it reminded you of in your own life, and it gives you that building block or that place to start that ramping up for everybody at the table to be able to share their own story in relation to the one they all heard together. So it creates that group experience. Then they also activate our senses, especially when uh, we hear metaphors. Uh, so metaphoric language really engages our senses, right? It puts us in that feeling place. Uh, if it's language that engages our, um, our imagination of what it must be like to do that. So if I say, you know, I was pressing down on the accelerator and the car was going faster and faster and the rain was coming down and there was lightning, you can place yourself in that car with me because you've been in that situation and you can see it all as I'm saying the words that invoke those uh, those memories, those senses, um, and what's going on in that moment. And that puts you right there in that setting. And once you're in that setting, I can then involve you in what's going on in my mind and in my life and take you on a journey that you're along for the ride on that journey and you're open to it and ready for that information to come in. Uh, that's what story can do, and that's how it's engaging. And audiences relate best to stories that recall their own experiences. What does that mean? Well, if, um, if an astronaut were to come out and tell a story about going to space and what it was like being in the rocket and zero Gs and all of that, very, very few people could really relate to that because they haven't had an experience like that. And then if the next person came out and said, uh, this is what I experienced uh, growing up and my dad would come to me and would say these things and we would go, you know, um, fishing or we'd go on a drive, a lot more people would be able to relate to that because maybe they had something similar in their uh, growing up experience. I know when uh, Toby and I are talking about uh, Forrest Fenn, for instance, very often we can go into Toby's stories and pull something out that's very similar that, to what we've read from Forrest Fenn. And that helps to illuminate the story and make it more real for all of us because we can relate it to something that we've experienced or that somebody we know has experienced. You want to say any more about that? No, no, no. I mean, we, we've had, a, um, well, I say no, no, no. We've had <laughs> multiple occasions where we read or hear or view something that Forrest has said, and I can relate to it because some of my experiences were similar. You know, mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> the most recent example is this new uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not cast, the, mm. their podcast, where he uh, focuses, I hadn't heard him do this since I've read it in the book, um, 
where he talks about his experience with what we called arc light. Mm -hmm. He called it a B-52 bombing raid, but it was obvious the way he described it was arc light. Um, and that reminded me of my experiences with arc light. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so it's always nice hearing other people's stories to see uh, what, how you can relate to it. The challenge is not to, what I, what I work hard at, well, what I have to think about is not coming back with an over-the-top version. I would rather hear your story than tell you my story until you ask about my story. Mm. Right. And, and I think that's a, it's a good lesson. I've always kind of warned my, not advised my children. Mm -hmm. it, it, listen to other people's stories. Yeah. Um, and then if they ask you about your story, be happy to tell them. Mm -hmm. But if they don't ask, that might be okay too. You don't always have to tell your story. Mm -hmm. Because you will learn by listening to their stories. And, of course, as you well know, that turned into the sentient sales technique. Okay, so let me ask you this. If you were listening to somebody else's story, mm -hmm. um, say there were two or three people at the table with you and you listened to their stories mm -hmm. and then they asked your story, how would you tailor your story after listening to theirs? What would you change about it? I think the if if I changed it at all, mm -hmm. right? It it really depends on the individuals and how secure they are in their own story. So if they have, you know, once you decide to tell a story, it's very personal, and it, you you make it part of who you are. This is me. Mm -hmm. So I think the important thing to do is if you get the opportunity to tell your story, make sure it's not over the top of theirs, right? That you don't use their story as the sand and gravel upon which you lay your asphalt and never hear their story, right? Do it in a way that they can compare your story to theirs without, without affecting their story. So if you were to say to me like, oh, I went to one, of, and this is just an example. Uh, Kevin and I just got back from Paris and you tell me your trip to Paris and then I go, oh, Paris, I've been there 26 times. I've, uh, I've eaten on top of the the, uh, you know, the, the Eiffel Tower uh, raced on the Champs-Élysées, and I just want for 20 minutes telling you my experience with Paris, which, because I had been there more, is going to cover your sand and gravel with my asphalt, <laughs> and it's not going to be any fun for you. On the other hand, if all I said was, Paris is a beautiful city, what did you like about it most? And then, and then just play off of that conversation mm -hmm. rather than telling <laughs> your story on top of theirs. I think that's, uh, that's the best approach to it. And that's my opinion. So, Okay. Good to know. So what does science say? It says, when we engage with a character-driven story, that's that hero's journey, right? The neurochemicals oxytocin is released, which signals feelings of trust and empathy. So when you want people to trust you or to empathize with you, say you want to make some friends or you want to maybe create a nurturing relationship that maybe leads to a sale with, with some people, you want to tell a story that's character driven, especially if it's about yourself. So uh, you really want a hero's journey with you as the hero. You know, so it should also reveal something about you that would cause them to, you know, want to be a part of 
your story. You want to engage with them. They go, you know, like, oh, I know what that feels like. Oh, I've been there. You know, to feel that with you uh, brings them into your trust circle. Well, if I may add, mm-hmm. did I turn my mic back on? <clears throat> one of the ways, one of the, the ways that you stir- storytelling in sales is, you know, as you've heard me say in the past, you give them 50 minutes uh, to tell their story, and you keep moving it along by um, by asking them questions, the open-ended questions. Well, what happened then, and what were the results, and mm-hmm. what about that didn't work for you, et cetera, et cetera. And then when you finally ask permission to, to, and you don't say, I'm going to tell you my part of the story, you're going to say something like, here's what I think. And you don't tell your story, you tell how you fit into their story, mm-hmm. right? So, if so it's you're a, there making them the hero. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and that's part of the sales process. So, you know, I had several opportunities to meet with a gentleman who at that time was this, uh, uh, um, uh, not chief operating, chief technology officer at Coca-Cola in Atlanta. And I discovered that there was only one thing he liked better than being the chief technology officer, Mm Coca-Cola, and that was playing golf with his friends. And invariably, when I was there to visit with him, it was always with the context of, ooh, he's going to have to leave in 15 or 20 minutes to go play golf. But I figured out this guy loved telling his story and what he was doing and what was happening and what was wrong. And I just listened to him. And I've, I've told you the story, how often the his administrative assistant would come in and say to him, uh, it's almost time for you to leave, you know. Mm-hmm. And the it, she'd always do that. And I thought, why is he planning? Why does he Why don't just tell me not to show up, you know? Mm-hmm. And I said, what is it that you're, I finally asked, what is it you're leaving to? He says, I've got a golf game with the other execs. But let's let's keep this conversation going. And the reason he wanted to keep the conversation going was because it was his story. I was listening to his story. He wasn't listening. If I had been pitching him mm-hmm. as a yeah. sales professional, he would have left at that at a point in time to go play golf. But it was his story. And he can play golf any day he wants. He only gets to tell his story every once in a while. when somebody's <laughs> To somebody new, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> he probably told it to his golf buddies already. It, yeah, well, they already know because all his golf buddies were probably the other execs from the Coca-Cola. Yeah. You know, from so again you want to cast yourself as the hero or in like toby just explained if you're uh working with a sales prospect you might want to let them cast themselves as the hero and you as the supporting character um but if you want to attract people say you're in a situation like thanksgiving dinner and uh you want to have everybody come around and have good feelings and be happy and you kind of want to lead that that uh, positive interaction you can tell a story where you're the hero and you will attract the people in to listen to you and if you tell a genuine and interesting story with you as the protagonist they're going to want to hear that Uh, stories are a great medium to express your views impact people and make a human connection with them so be thinking about this as you're planning to go somewhere i'm planning to go to a conference i'm driving out tomorrow so and i will be with people all weekend so i'm going to be working on you know telling stories where i'm the hero where people can get to know me better and then if i want to uh offer them the same opportunity 
I will offer them to tell their story where they're the hero and I'm the supporting character in that. So we can take turns doing that. <laughs> Elements of an engaging story include character, that's people, um, especially the main character, and it should usually be you if it's your story that you want to tell. Um, there should be a problem that you encounter or some sort of a dramatic moment uh, that happens in your life where you're just going along your usual path and all of a sudden something happens and you have to do something about it. It's your call to action, right? You have to do something. And then uh, your resolution, which indicates a change. This could be as small as recognizing my daughter's growing up and She's not going to be a little kid forever. Or it could be something really big and big change, you know. Um, but some kind of change in is a res going to offer you that resolution to the story. Uh, there are a lot of people who will just tell you a bunch of this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. And there's no real story to it, right? There's no... Um, you know, I started off the day, my normal life, I had encountered a problem I had to work on and it was very, you know, difficult and challenging. And then I learned this new thing. And then at the end, I was a changed person. So this is the story arc that draws people in and gives them that spark of interest. And they also need to be relatable right? Oh, I can totally understand that. You know, oh, I've been there. I know what you're talking about, you know, but if, uh, if it's something that's totally out of my realm of, of expertise and I've never experienced, I don't know anything about deep sea diving or whatever. It could be anything, uh, that's really outside the realm of the average and, uh, it's no longer very relatable. So although I'll listen and it could be somewhat interesting, it won't draw me in and it won't engage my emotions the way something would, if it was more relatable. Uh, and again, uh, if you look at it from the context of classical storytelling, uh, every story, every good story, uh, in terms of the hero's journey and classic storytelling has, uh, three acts. Act one is kind of the as you describe it, developing the character. Act two is identifying the problem and resolving it. And uh, act three is the resolution and what you learned from it. Mm -hmm. and, um, and again, if you want to understand that story arc, you can do one of two things. You can either watch Star Wars, the original, or you can read the Odyssey. I strongly recommend you watch Star Wars. It's going to be a lot easier than reading the Odyssey. There are a lot of, uh, a lot of movies and a lot of stories yeah, out there yeah. that follow the hero's the, journey. The hero's journey. Yeah. Uh, Even TV shows. There's a lot of really great TV shows that And do that. the best stories that are told by anyone, whether it's you or anyone else who you're listening to, have those very common characteristics. Yeah. I suggest that uh, whatever your favorite show is to watch, um, look for these elements. Who's the main character? What is the problem that they had to overcome? How did they overcome it? And how did they change as a result of that? And how well do you relate to it? And then uh, when you can pull it apart like that, then you can start to do your, to create your own stories in that way. So how do we gather stories? 
Um, maybe you say, well, I don't have anything interesting going on in my life. Well, I, won't know what, I wouldn't know what to talk about because uh, I've done that myself for years. So I understand where you're coming from on that. Uh, here is a wonderful idea that I got when I was just recently reading uh, Storyworthy by Matthew Dix. He calls this homework for life. And what you do is you set up a spreadsheet on, you know, a computer spreadsheet. If you're, if you're familiar with that, if you're not, you can always write it out by hand if you'd like. But this is very simple, or you could even do it in a Word document if you want. But he uses a spreadsheet and recommends a spreadsheet. It's two columns. One column is the date, and the other column is for writing a couple of sentences. And those sentences are based on, say, at the end of the day, you ask yourself, what was different about today? If I had to tell a story about today or from today, what story would I tell? Look back over your day and pull out a few sentences that help to spark those memories. So I'll tell you, I did this um, the other day and I thought, well, I would probably tell a story about how I went to the gym and uh, they do haircuts at the gym and I signed up for a haircut and then I said, well, I'll go ahead and um, get the massage table and do the tanning and be while I'm waiting for the haircut and I did that and then I was going to do one more thing in the spa area and it was uh, broken. It was the total body enhancement machine, which I really enjoy. It was broken that day. So I'm like, well, now I have at least a good 20 minutes before I'll get this haircut. So I decided I'll just get on the treadmill and walk and watch the stylist and see, you know, how she's going along and uh, I'll be able to get over there really quickly when it's my turn. So I'm walking on the treadmill and I'm walking and listening to my podcast and I keep glancing over at the stylist to see what's going on and she's giving a haircut to a man who's got very little hair, to put it nicely. <laughs> anyway, um, and she'll snip and then she'll talk and then she'll snip and then she'll talk and it got very frustrating and I was like, this man has very little hair. It should take five minutes, but it, it took 20 minutes to cut his hair. And then she had somebody else, another man, to cut his hair before me. So I was, like, getting really frustrated. How long is this going to take? Uh, and um, listening to my podcast, checking my watch, checking the clock on the wall. and uh, But at the same time, I'm getting my steps in, right? So... And then I thought, you know, what would be nice is if they had treadmills in everywhere, you had to wait. So at least you'd have, you know, something productive to do while you're waiting. The DMV. <laughs> a treadmill and a podcast. Let's go. And, uh, and I thought, well, I've got a treadmill and a podcast. Why am I still so much in a hurry, so frustrated that this is not going faster? So I began to calm down a little bit and say, you know what? She's giving good customer service. She's a good stylist. I need to be more patient. So I calmed down. I continued to walk. And then I could see she was done with the man ahead of me. And so I put everything away. I stopped the machine. I, you know, I uh, put my podcast away. And I went and stood by the, the sign-in sheet so she knew I was ready. And then I had a very nice haircut with her and I could be a lot more kind because I decided not to be frustrated and not to be in such a hurry. So 
that's what I wrote about in my uh, two sentences. I just wrote treadmill at the gym, waiting for a haircut, uh, frustrated at you know how long it was taking, and then decided not to be frustrated because what I learned through coaching is that we can manage our own thoughts, right? We can take a look at what am I thinking? Why am I feeling this way? What am I, what thoughts am I having that are making me feel this way? And how can I adjust those thoughts so that I feel better? And I did that work on myself because this is what life coaching is. You know, we do it for ourselves and we help other people do it for themselves. So uh, I did that and I wrote it down. And that date and those few sentences made that day different than any other day. Sometimes we feel like all the days just run together and they're all the same. And there's nothing different going on. But when we take the time to think, what story would I tell about today? And we write down a couple of sentences about it every day. It makes such a huge difference. Uh, It gives us an awareness of all the stories that make up our lives. And it helps us to recognize some patterns of behavior. You know, why am I always so frustrated and upset when, when I have to wait? What is that about? What's that pattern of behavior about? That's a whole nother story. Um, and it also helps us to understand our importance in the world. You know, I was there getting a haircut, which gives this woman a job, you know, which she has, you know, a, a pleasant day because she has people to come to sit in her chair. Who She cuts their hair. She has a conversation with them. It's pleasant for her. It's pleasant for me. And, you know, I fit into the world. Here's where I fit into the world. And it helps me to feel my importance and the importance of the other things that go on in my life. So I recommend this method of gathering stories and becoming more mindful and aware of what's going on throughout your day. Um, just every day. What's the date? A couple of sentences about something that happened that day. And when you see those sentences and you go back and you look at those, it's just amazing how, boom, that, that just lights up all your memory. And, and you're there again. And you're feeling those feelings again. And you're having those thoughts again. And uh, so pick good stories. Story worthy. I just downloaded it on Audible. Nice. Nice. I had a couple of unused credits today. (laughs) I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, looking forward to it. So here's my recommendations. Record and share your story. Do it that way, the the way that's recommended, uh, homework for life, or choose your own method if you just want to do journaling or whatever it is that works for you. Be curious. You know, look for those moments throughout your day that might turn into a story. Um, Be curious about other people. Ask them for their story. Teach others how to share their stories. If somebody's just going to give you, I did this, I did this, I did this, and the thing... Ask them some questions. Ask them some probing questions. And how did that make you feel? And, you know, uh, and, you know, instead of, and then what happened, and then what happened, get into how did they feel? What did that cause them to think? You know, 
what what action did they want to take at that point? So get into their feelings and their thoughts. That's going to create a deeper connection with that person and help them to be able to share that more in the future because they'll be learning how to tell a really engaging story. Connect, be present, and remember life's moments more clearly by finding those little stories throughout your days. Share your story starting today. Get the support you need to increase your awareness and understand your importance. And learn the best way to enjoy the transformational journey. You can click on the link in the description box below to set up a call and we can have a coaching session together. I tell you what, the first one's on me. Isn't that awesome? That's pretty nice. That's generous. I'm calling you tonight. <laughs> oh no, we're going to be together tonight. Okay, never mind. So do that. Now you can call us here at 202-815-1171 and let us know what stories have become important and memorable for you and why. So uh, I do want to say... three big screen? I'm a the big screen. Oh, okay, big screen. <laughs> yeah. What's that? The show next week. Ooh, what? A story ooh, good there. or ooh, bad? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, say hi to Tony Rusi when hey. Sparks is in the room. All right. Uh, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel hey. says, "What if your story evokes a painful memory, like say a car accident?" Ah. Wow. What's wrong with that? I mean, if story is a story. Right? Yeah, it depends. I mean, stories can be healing. You can get maybe that pain is living inside of you and needs to come out. So telling that story or even writing it down in your journal until you're a little more comfortable with sharing it, um, that's okay. You know, we have how many feelings are there to feel? There are millions. We should feel free to feel all of them. So I think it depends on, on exactly which story it is, right? We're always talking about tragedy plus time equals comedy. Mm -hmm. and, but I think that's a very personal it's very personal. So I can tell stories that at the time were very tragic, but with time, I can tell them in a comedic way. Mm -hmm. So they're not painful at all, and so they're not meant to cause pain to the people that are listening. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, uh, and I'm just going to use this as an example, I could never make my father's death, the manner in which his, he and his brothers died. There, there's not enough time to make that anything more anything less than tragic, right? Right. It's never, there's not enough time to turn it into a comedy. So right. I, I think it depends on the story. And, and what I discovered is... Well, some things are never going to be funny. No, no, that's right. <laughs> I, I agree. But what I there discovered is... There are tragedies. Is, you know, Hamlet's a tragedy. Right. And this is and, meant to be. And, and it's meant to be that way. And maybe there's some personal growth that could, could occur as a result of being aware of the story. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't necessarily need to be told, right? The way I tell it is, my father died when I was 11. Right, and you right. talk about how it affected your life right. and how you changed because of it. But in, in, in addresses this, the question, the question you have to ask is, what impact, w w whether it was your car accident or somebody else's car accident, what impact does it have on you? Exactly, and, and, and what and that's learnings did you take? How did you turn it into a more positive experience? And that's where the story starts, mm -hmm. right? So my story starts with the death of my father. I mean, not technically, of course, I was born, but but I can but I can tell a story from the point that that tragedy occurred, mm -hmm. so that it doesn't become a permanent that 
that it's my tra- tragedy, mm-hmm. right? Right. It was certainly tragic for the family, but you have a couple of choices, and you know from the the experiences of my brothers and sisters that each of us took it in a completely different way, mm-hmm. uh, how we experienced that tragedy and how it affected the rest of our lives. So, uh, but they're all supporting characters in your story. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that and that's the point that I wanted to make. It's it's always your story. That's right. Right. You can't borrow somebody else's tragedy or somebody else's... Well, you can tell your portion of right. the, yeah, that's their story. Exactly. So it always has to be, it's your, you know, I went to a, a funeral a couple of weeks ago where I was invited to be a pallbearer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and for me, it was, uh, it, it was a way to recognize this person's, how I felt uh, about this person. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't realize until then how much I enjoyed her company. You know, I mean, I knew I always enjoyed it, but, but, you know, standing there listening to them playing taps and then folding the flag and all that stuff, you realize you really miss this person. Right. And so it became more than, more than just a tragedy of her passing at age 95, of course. <laughs> <coughs> it became uh, how she affected me, how, how her, my experience with her uh, affected my life. Right. And how it brought... Uh, uh, her daughter and I kind of closer over that, you know, because Janet and I are the same age. We have similar interests. And um, and now she's moving into areas that you and I are in. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, she has the freedom to do that now. She's not having to take care of her mother. And uh, mm-hmm. so there was there, there are always positive things to come out of it. And I think mm-hmm. that was one of them. It was kind of interesting to have the conversation with her. Yeah. Yeah. I think that... Uh, that you follow the the elements, right? You are the character. The problem was the car accident. And the resolution is how you overcame, right? How you changed. What did you do to grow from that circumstance? Uh, and yes, Tony, I did say arc light. Uh, Davio's in the room. Hey, Davio. Let's see, Doug Carver's in the room. Hey, Cheryl, Doug. that's a new name. No? Cheryl. Uh, if you were to do memoirs, what medium would you use? Oh, well, when, that's very personal. Um, I personally would, if it was, if I was working with somebody who, you know, like Toby, for instance, um, I would interview them, right? Do interviews. You would have a series of questions that you would ask, and you would let them talk for as long as they wanted each time and then ask another question or uh, a follow-up question when necessary to get more information. And then you take those and you would, of course, record them. Uh, You could video record them or audio record them and then have them transcribed. Uh, And then you would take that transcribed piece and edit it into a written story. And uh, that's what I would recommend. So I think it depends on who the memoir is in, for whom the memoir is intended. So if it's your children, my children are all in that millennial Gen Z, Gen X area. They're all very technical. They're not going to read a book. So I would write a blog and I would make the blog available to them. Um, uh, I would, hmm, but they don't read. They, see, our family doesn't <coughs> watch our shows and they don't read our no, blogs no, and they true. don't. You know, because they think they know us already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, one of the things that I walked away, speaking of this funeral, one of the things that I walked away from was a book that she had written about her World War II experiences, or mm. World War II and post-World War II <coughs> experiences. And it was amazingly written in kind of an old style. Very, It's had a lot of uh, 30s and 40s flourish to it. You wouldn't write it in that same style today. Um, but if you're going to pick a medium, again, I think it would depend on who your prospective audience is. I think the do, the do, most likely to be consumed would be photographs and bits and of captions. Te text that told about the event happening in that photograph. Similar to what Forrest Fenn did. Captioned photos, basically. Basically, but it's a, like a short story that yeah. goes with that photograph. And I've always been a big fan of that. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, what's, what's interesting about that concept is that uh, when uh, I used to write uh, responses uh, to uh, proposals in response to requests for proposal, mm -hmm. there was a format, and the format was a picture on the left, a story yeah. on the right. Yeah. And you had to do that, of course. Some of these things ended up you know, three, three-inch thick binders in response. Picture on the left, yeah. story on and the right. And come to think of it, I have heard of people doing memoirs in that way. What they'll do is have the person sit with their favorite photographs from their life, <clears throat> and then each photograph they would pull out, they would tell a story about it. Mm -hmm. And so you would be able to have the story and the photograph that went together. And, and when I think about it, that's uh, as a documentary maker, that's what I did with a lot of my, mm -hmm. you know, I have my son's story, for example. I need to tell my daughter's story. Every time I see her, I tell her, we've got to sit down and make this story. But I have my mother, right, before uh, one of the trips that I made back here, probably before I moved here, certainly before I moved here, I sat her down in her shop mm -hmm. and I had her tell me her life story. And it's, you know, 50 minutes worth of video that... But do people watch the video, or no. would they be more likely uh, to look I, at it if I, it was like a photo album? Yeah, that's what I don't know. I've never, I've ne it still sits in my hard drive. You know, yeah. uh, with, with, I've never done anything with it because I'm not sure what to do with it. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. good question. Thank you for the topic. <laughs> so, uh, I think that's Adavi is talking about his rock climbing story. Okay. And. So uh, those no can be very dangerous and exciting. Yeah, no, it sounds like it. Uh, Cheryl says, "I love hearing people's stories, and everyone has a story." That's right. Right. That's right, and they're all equally important it's because like we all fit together because like, of our stories. It's like the Naked City. There's seven million stories, <laughs> and this has been the one Naked of them. City. Remember that? That's yeah. You do did you open up the phone lines? I didn't even ask. Uh, I did, yeah. Oh, okay. There's the number if you still want to call, 202-815-1171, and tell us your story. While we're waiting for you to call, is there anything else in the chat room going on? No, it's all uh, pretty quiet. No other questions. Okay. Well, let's take a look. Well, it's not quiet, but there are no questions. They're talking amongst each other. Uh, as you may know, I am going to be driving to Austin Texas tomorrow uh, on my way to a conference that's happening in Austin Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and I'll be driving home on Monday. So I will not be here for the softer side on Friday. I'll be in Austin uh, in the middle of a conference, which is their 12-hour days um, at this conference. So I'll be very busy learning and uh, getting, you know, growing and <laughs> networking. Um, Growing. growing and networking and planting seeds. So um, 
that's where I'll be over the weekend. Uh, there will be no show on Friday. So next Wednesday, we're going to be talking about a lonely Thanksgiving. You know, we've been kind of leading up to this holiday, talking about our uh, food choices and urges and watching our weight and our diet and what we're eating and and uh, how we learned that when we take care of our diet, our ta- diet takes, takes care, care of, of us. us. And then we got into being thankful and why it's important to be thankful. Uh, we talked about uh, family relationships and how some of those relationships can be challenging and how we can manage our thought processes in order to enjoy those relationships more. Today, we talked about using story to connect more deeply with our family, friends, and with strangers. And then we're going to talk about a lonely Thanksgiving. Well, I'm not going back to Arizona for Thanksgiving this year. We were going to go and then we decided uh, my my son and his girlfriend weren't going to be able to go because she has to work and my daughter and her husband are not going to be able to go because they have to work. So I thought, well, let's just stay at home. We'll have Thanksgiving with my son and his girlfriend and Toby and uh, we'll play some board games and it won't be lonely Right. But I know there are people out there who cannot be with family for Thanksgiving and it can feel really lonely. We're going to talk about that on Wednesday and how we can manage our thoughts, because I know how hard it is when society is showing us, you know, things we turn on the television or we turn on the radio and it's constantly coming at us. Oh, when you're with your family and you're having turkey and you're like, I'm not with my family and I'm not having turkey and why are you making me feel like this radio and TV Uh, (laughs) it's like when you can't be with your husband for Valentine's Day because he's traveling for work and you're like you get angry because all of this media is coming your way telling you oh you should be with your family you should be with your loved one or you should be should be should we keep shitting on ourselves and it makes us feel bad So we're going to talk about how to change a lonely Thanksgiving into just, you know, a beautiful day. Uh, Some of the things that we can do with thought management, some of the things we can do with just reaching out to friends, you know, who may also be alone on Thanksgiving. Um, And how we can handle that media coming at us saying that we should be with our families when we're obviously not with them. So, you know, we can get past that should stuff just for clarification shelly said shoulding (laughs) s-h-o-u-l-d-i-n-g we're not certain it's a word but that's the one that she used (laughs) we're shoulding ourselves to death uh so we're not going to be doing that Uh, anymore because we're going to talk about that on wednesday shoulding ourselves sounds stinky yeah yeah (laughs) don't should on yourself don't should on yourself all right, I'm going to turn off the phones and you can finish up your show. Well, we had a great show today. We had a lot of fun talking about stories. And I hope that it in- inspired you to start looking for stories throughout your day and maybe writing them down at the end of the day, you know, a couple of sentences. It's going to help, I think, in a lot of ways. But uh, if you read the book Storyworthy, I think you'll see there's a lot of value to uh, telling stories and gathering them throughout the day. So I did, while uh, Shelley was talking, I did download the Audible version of 
story worthy. Story worthy. So by Matthew Dix. When when Shelley gets back from her trip in Austin, we'll talk about that. And my impressions of what he has to say. Yeah. But one of the things is if you have a friend uh, or another family member who you can call in the evenings, you'd be surprised how little events during your day can turn into a story at night. And by that by that time. I find myself calling Shelley just to tell her a story that at the time <laughs> that it occurred was a disaster. But by the time I call her, it's it turns out to be funny. That concept of tragedy plus time equals comedy. Uh, and then she tells me her story. She you know she told me the story about the about the waiting for the haircut yesterday. And by the time she told it, she was no longer mad at it. It was just kind of funny. And she learned something about herself and how it fit into this story sharing uh, story, story, what is it? Story worthy. Story worthy concept. Right. Uh, and so I've Homework taken her advice. Life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and see if uh, there's some benefit to it. I have to tell I you, I have a friend stories. that I love to talk to and I need to call him more often because he's just the hilarious and what he does is he tells stories. Uh-huh. He talks about, I went to the grocery store and this and this and this and this. And then I go, and, but he tells it about what's going on, you know, with him uh-huh. to the point where it's hilarious. And I'm just laughing the whole Mike time. Gable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he'll tell me stuff and it's, and, it rem- and I remember it, you know, I, he told me a couple of years ago about how he had lost his wallet and he had to carry around a Ziploc baggie with his s- wallet innards in it. You know, I still remember that and how funny it was. You he know? can, he has a propensity for turning anything into a funny story. We, I mean, losing your wallet, that's not funny at the time. He's been our friend. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was one of the hosts on the show that Shelly produced, New Mexico Media Makers. He was in a film with Shelly. Uh, we called, what was that? That was... Um, Critter Chase. Critter Chase. So, <laughs> so uh, he's a good friend, and he really is funny. And there's a part of his life that is very mysterious, and uh, we, you know, we don't know how he makes a living. We don't know why he travels <laughs> south. He's got some very mysterious things going on with him, but he's always fun to be with, and we just don't see him enough. Yeah. You know, we ask him, we invite him over to cocktail parties and things like that. But, um, he lives. He lives quite a ways away. Yeah, he's down in Las yeah. Luna, so an hour hour from here. Yeah, at least. Yeah, but um, to become somebody who you know makes everybody smile when they think about you. Tell stories. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, thanks for being here today, for sharing your stories in our chat room and for showing up in the Facebook room as well. And uh, I appreciate you, and I'll see you in next Wednesday. And for the softer side, I'm your Life Transitions coach, Shelly Carney. Thank you for listening to The Softer Side with Shelly Carney and Toby Eunice. Please write to us with questions or ideas for future shows at softerside.info at gmail.com and visit the free member vault for more great tips and ideas at esofterside.com.